It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. Welcome to the Child Care Buying Girl podcast. Jeff Johnson here, Samantha Balch over there. How you doing, Sam? I am doing great. I'm ready to Sherlock. All right. We're going to Sherlock the heck out of this episode in a minute. But last time we were together, we talked about uh, Pizza Farm, which uh, yep. apparently is a real thing where all of the, the rain. all of the all of the bits to make pizza are growing on the uh, the kind of uh, uh, artisan kind of farm stead, um, which sounds yeah, delightful. Definitely farm, a culinary experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so started thinking about that and then harken back to an episode we did a long time ago where uh, we were you brought uh, rock and roll childcare to my attention i thought at the end of our last episode together the idea of a a pizza preschool would be great this is kind of a kind of a forest school it's kind of a farm school Uh, so you get child care and you got pizza ingredients going on now i feel like it's important to note there are child labor laws so the preschoolers cannot legally make the pizza for other people but they could make their own pizza sure sure and i mean it's only child labor if they're forced to do it, isn't it? If they're if they want to clean the tables, who are we to stop them? Yeah, I mean, if they're if they're choosing to grind up hunks of pork to make pepperoni and then stuff it into uh, into pig intestine to uh, to to age, I mean, that that's on them, right? Work right there. What? That's fine motor skill work, right? There. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's very that's the most STEMI of STEM activities as well. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I mean, man, could you, could we, could you imagine four years, four year olds involved in, in making cheese? Can I imagine? Yes. As I presently work with four year olds, do I enjoy imagining it? There are a couple of them actually. I'm like, you could probably knock this out of the park. Like you're a very focused kid and you enjoy like rhythms, like the, the, the steadiness of it. I think there are some of them that would love it. And then there are some that I think would fall into the vat of, curd and well i mean this is an industrial scale farm is it well, i was thinking I, uh, <laughs> it could be i don't know oh, I, I was pitching something more small case small scale with, i know with... some i know a lot actually they would absolutely love needing pizza dough they would love that oh sure sure they, i mean that would be their job like on the line they'd be like i'm gonna punch this dough yeah and... i would i would never eat any of that dough because oh. These None of them have wa- ever washed their hands, but there are not enough gloves in the world <laughs> to what they have been touching. 
so Sam, I thought we could we could dig into another kind of maybe it'll become a series, but I think it's you know we've talked a lot in the on the show recently about uh, about doing your kind of your own experiment experiments and trying things out and and problem yeah. solving and and trying to build exec- effective systems for for making things kind of work in your program. And I thought we would come uh, and maybe discuss some real world examples of this kind of investigating and sleuthing and figuring things out. So uh, um, this is this is all on you do you have something we can we can jump in and start talking about um some real world examples of problems or just like i I feel like issue like i don't want to say issues because i don't want to sound too negative but also issues um that have popped up for people in centers or programs i mean okay here's one this this is a this is a real world thing that did end up getting a solution so um, my current program, we have two classrooms that are interlocked. There's a, like a child's gate between them. So there's like a, basically a doorway sized place with a child gate and then everything else is wall. So we can see into the other classroom. They can see into ours. We can hear them really well all the time. But only um, through can... this three and a half foot wide opening. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So we can, it's, it's, it, this, my program is like, it's a converted house. Basically. It's like a one story house that's now been converted into different classrooms so it's got like really tall ceilings the acoustics are terrible it's it's a great place I really do love it um but we can hear everything all the time and I am with the four-year-olds like the four or five the before kindergarten year and then the classroom next was the year before that so it's like the older two-year-olds that are about to turn three the three-year-olds and some that have just turned four and are about to move up to this other classroom. So the year starts and something that we're noticing from my classroom is that these children in the other classroom are extremely active. And I had been working in that classroom previously um, before I moved up to this second classroom. And we'll just call it like the four or five room and then the the three-year-old room. So when I was working in the three-year-old room, like there were a lot of active kids. Um, They liked to run, they liked to wrestle, they liked to jump, that they were very big body kids, um, several of them. And when I moved up, some of those kids came up, but even more joined the three-year-old room, (laughs) even more came in. So there was no net loss. There was a gain of how many kids were running, jumping, yelling, like using their entire body to do stuff. And we could tell that it was starting to become, like it was starting to wear the teachers in that room down. Like you could hear it in their voices. You could hear it in like, you could see it. You could see that they were having a harder time with some of the things they were doing during the day. And some of the things they were trying to do during the day as like a whole classroom or as groups of kids because of the need that those kids had to be really, really active and outdoors and all sorts of other stuff. So I said, actually, hold on. I will pause Jeff as the person who is not in this situation. If you, like, let's say you're in my position, right? You're working in the four or five classroom. Mm-hmm. You've been in the three-year-old classroom before. So you know all those teachers, um, but you're not presently in that classroom, but you have all the information I've told you, you know, what do you like as a staff member? You know, these are your coworkers and the kids you're going to get to know pretty well, especially when they move up into your room. You do anything or you just kind of hang out? 
There's no wrong answer. Yeah, I just work in the classroom next door. Yeah, you're just me. You're working the classroom. Next oh, door. I mind you my own business. <laughs> They're not paying me to 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 do that other thing. I mean, I mind my own. I mean, because 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 my experience is you start sticking your nose in uh, in other people's classrooms and you get it bit off. So it's true. That uh, is I, absolutely a problem. What if one of the teachers came to you and said, "They're like they." They're just, they're, they're a wild bunch, you know, and, and we don't know what to do. And so now it kind of sounds like they're asking, like, then I would say, well, yeah, how are you going to adapt to that? How are you going to adapt to that? Because you can't change them. How are you going to adapt to that? Um, that, that is a good answer. I, not that there are bad answers, but I appreciate that answer. How are you going to adapt to that? And that was sort of, for me, that was kind of my perspective as well. Of like, okay, how do we get the classroom to adapt to these children? Because these teachers deserve to be in a space where they feel good, where they have kids that feel good, and clearly the kids need something that they're not getting. So I went to whoa, my whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. The kids were getting it. They were being active, That's right? True, they were getting it, but then they were also getting a lot of stop that, sit down, uh-huh. don't like. They were getting a lot of negative feedback as well. So it kind of like t- it, they were getting it, but they were also getting a lot of baggage that came along with sure. it. That was kind of a bummer. So I went to my team and said, Hey, one idea I had is if, so right now um, we all use the playground at different times for reasons related to the government. Um, yeah. we, we don't have a choice on that matter right now. So I said, what if we keep our students on our outside deck and on our front lawn space, which is only our classroom, there's like a little gazebo there. There's like, I've set up like sort of a mud kitchen kind of area, but it's really like when you think mud kitchen, like don't think that for what I've set up, it's much more depressing than that. Um, baby mud I made a ball ramp. Um, so there's a lot of stuff out there. There's cars, there's pretty much like anything that's in the classroom, there's a version of it outside that's a little more um, rough and ready for the outdoor environment. So I said, what if we don't go outside at 8.30 onto the playground? What if we hang back and we've got the deck and we've got everything out here and we have we offer it to the three-year-old classroom? Like, do you want 30, like 30 minutes of outdoor time? on the big playground. And this playground is massive. It's like triple the size of both of these classrooms. It's huge. There's structures, there's swings, there's a whole concrete slab. There's, you know, all sorts of stuff out there. Um, So my team was like, no, that actually, yeah, I could totally see them doing that. Our, Our students seem fine with staying in our front yard space. I don't think they would notice that 30 minutes, but I think the other, the three-year-old classroom would. So I offered that to them. And I said, hey, in the four or five classroom, we were, you know, we've been noticing that your kids are so active and we know you were looking for ideas. Do you want to take that 30 minutes of outdoor time? Because we have our front yard that they use and they like. And if you want, like, if you just want to go out there, I know it'll be tricky with like, who's working when, like you might have to like, we could maybe figure out, can one of our teachers watch some of your kids at some point, but you know, we want your mornings to go really well. And if outside time would help, we're happy to be a part of that. And they said, oh yeah, 
no, let's try it. And let's, let's definitely go for it. Within a week, they were like, we're going to, we're not going back. We're doing this. Like, this is, this is better. They ended up switching some teacher schedules around mm-hmm. so that they stay within ratio for whoever's who's outside and who's inside. They ended up moving their snack time, which was originally much earlier in the morning. They moved it back. So now it's after they've been on the playground. And I mean, from our perspective in the four or five classroom, they sound like they are, you know, just they're the children are getting what they need outside. Cause we get to see them, you know, on the playground Sure. and they're running, they're jumping, they're riding the bikes, they're throwing the balls, they're playing with each other. They're, you know, on the swings. And then in the classroom, we see them not doing all of those behaviors in the classroom and like getting talked to about how, oh, you can't do that inside. So it seems like it's gone really well. And cool. that's been kind of cool that like we were able to find that solution together. Did, I will did. say, like like you said, Jeff, a lot of times like sticking your nose in someone else's classroom is how you get it bit off. Like We did have, you know, there was a, a clear interest in help. Mm-hmm which was definitely important and in problem yeah. solving. There was this interest of anybody have ideas. And I think that's something my program has been striving to create is a community of teachers who tell each other when they have ideas or when they need ideas or when they need help. Sure, sure. And because, I mean, that's the only way it's gonna gonna work, right? If you're, look, I I just love to walk around telling people how to do things better, um, but that's not gonna that's not gonna be very very productive. Um, nope. And I think another thing too was the way that we, as the four five classroom, approached it. We offered it to them. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want that outside time? Do you want to try it for a couple of days and let us know how it goes? We didn't tell them. Well, you should be taking them outside more. Like we didn't tell them that we gate, we offered them something and let them kind of think on it. We didn't make any other suggestions about like, should they move snacks? Should they move their welcome circle? Like we didn't, we just said, do you want this block of time? And then they took it, they talked about it. They adjusted their teacher schedules. They adjusted their daily schedule with the children in order to create this new schedule that seems to be working a lot better for them. So, got our finish writing. Um, so, so the 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 takeaway there is that it's going to be more effective when you're looking at problem solving to offer solutions instead of magnify problems. Yes. So it's it's a lot easier to. I mean, it's it and it's easier to magnify the problems, right? Oh, oh man, yeah. that three year old classroom. Those kids are so wild, and those teachers are so grumpy. Right. Um, and, and that just starts the negative downward spiral. But when you can offer some sort of some sort of solution, um, as as you and your 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 coworkers did, that's that's kind of a step in the in the in the right direction because it doesn't get the the hackles of the is that the thing? It doesn't get the the hackles of the other other people up. That's that because I mean if you start if you start seeing if you start pointing out the problems they're having, that's gonna that's gonna put them on the defensive. Right. They're gonna they're gonna bear it, well, their why teeth. Why you think I'm such a bad teacher? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's it's not me. And then I think a lot of times that feeds into how we perceive the kids. If someone is, if we feel like someone's telling us we're a bad teacher and we don't feel that way about ourselves, we're going to then default to there's something wrong with these kids. 
that's making me seem like a bad teacher. Yeah, or, or maybe worse, you 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 have somebody thinking, seeing, think you think they're seeing you as a bad teacher, and you're actually feeling that you are yourself. Yeah, that 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 makes it even worse. And, and so that, I I've quit a few jobs because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Because so, I'm not afraid to quit a job when people make me feel bad. And, and then I, I also like the the let's try it um, idea because yeah. you know and 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 maybe maybe the takeaway some people can have from this is and I'd, I'd love to hear from listeners about what they experience with this. But but ha, you know deciding to try something for X amount of time. Yep. Um, and then kind of, and, and, and maybe, you know, maybe take, uh, take a few minutes to take some notes and do some reflection, um, before you, before you lock into, lock into something long-term because, you know, Absolutely. It's just- that's something I've definitely written about and definitely experienced myself is if you're not like, if you're just deciding, okay, this is how things are going to be now, or you need to decide if you're going to do this long-term now, you like that, that, that can really mess, mess with your head. Right. Yeah. It can, it makes it really hard, especially if something doesn't work because it's like, Oh, well then, you know, changing things just doesn't, it doesn't work out because you know what, it, it, this didn't work. So we shouldn't change how we do our rest time routine, because if we try and do that, it's just going to make everything worse. So let's just stick with what we have, even though it's a total zoo. When, and in, in reality, if you had tested it and you're like, yes, yeah, so this first change we had was terrible. What made it terrible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then let's go from there. Can we pinpoint what really worked about it? And can we keep going with what really worked about it? Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the idea of, of iterative problem solving. You're you're trying this this version and then you're you're going back to the drawing board and making adjustments and then trying something else until you until you get something that works. And you know, it's it's a lot easier to commit to to something short term. Um, if you're if you're looking at a, a classroom change and you're looking at it as a, a 30-year mortgage that's going to be part of the next three decades of your life, it's kind of harder to make a change. If you're looking at it as a, as a weekend getaway, it's, it's maybe easier to, to right. commit to trying the new thing. Or if, if you are looking at, you know, a massive change, like, okay, something else in my program that we're currently going through um, is the, like the, the sort of handbook we have, the sort of like philosophy of education and mission statement of the school um, really give the impression that they were written by like a bunch of monkeys banging on a keyboard. Sure. Um, so, like it did make words, but the words don't really say anything. Um, and that we're noticing as a staff, that lack of sort of cohesive vision among everyone isn't doing us any favors. It's, it's yeah. kind of hurting us because everybody's got a slightly different idea about like what the purpose is and what the path is. And absolutely in a program, you can have different flavors, but the main dish is still, should still be the same. Like there should still be, you know, an actual like unifying something. So we are trying as a staff to figure out how we're going to tackle that and what we're going to do and how we're going to become a place that has a little more, I feel like finesse is the wrong word, but also a little bit the right word. Um, a little more, a little more polished 
in saying what we do and who we are and what it means. Um, because you've got some teachers that are like, oh yeah, we're an experiential learning school. There are some teachers that are like, I've never heard that word. We're just play-based. And then there are, you know, other people that are saying that we take elements of all sorts of things and that's who we are. We're really a hodgepodge thing. And there's no cohesive understanding of this is the purpose of this program. Yeah. And that also gets very sticky because there, I mean, there are people that have been here for a long time and to come in and say, we want to try and make this a little more streamlined can absolutely feel like a direct attack. Sure. So this is, this is like an ongoing thing. We're trying to figure out how do we in like small steps do it? Um, we don't really know yet. We're just kind of, as a staff, we're just sort of tackling it. Like every staff meeting, you know, we tackle another part and try and figure out where's everybody at? What is your feeling on X, Y, Z? When you hear discipline, what is that to you? And really trying to get a sense of where everyone is so then we mm -hmm. can figure out how to get together. Because if our director just came in and said, well, this is our new mission statement, get with yeah. it you'd have a lot more problems. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's going to be a much more effective way of tackling the problem than, than having a, a weekend retreat and trying to handle it yeah. all in one weekend. These, these kind of, you, you know, have to do it so slowly because everybody deserves to be heard about all of these issues. Everybody deserves that time to think about it and to reflect on like what makes them feel good about it. What makes them really nervous and if we were just going to say, nope, we're going to get this done the Wednesday before school starts back up for the year, we wouldn't get the authentic sort of reactions we need from our community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably going to be a multi-year process. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't anticipate this being done for quite some time and that's cool. Like we can choose to be terrified of that, which it is, you know, a terrifying prospect and we can choose to know that this is going to be a really great journey. This is going to be really interesting to go on. This is going to test us in a lot of ways. This is going to let a lot of us, like let every one of us shine in the ways where we have gifts. It's going to be cool and great and terrifying and messy. And hopefully playful. Yeah. And, 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 and part of this is you, the, the way you look at things like this whether it's your policy and handbooks or whether it's your, your four-year-old classroom's approach to play, when you, when you look at it as, as one problem, oh, our handbook is way out of, out of date, um, that makes it seem almost some, like something you can't overcome. When you step back and take a wider view and see that, no, this isn't one problem, this is 782 different problems, and then you start addressing them one at a time, one at a time, one at a time, it, it, it takes the enormity of, of the problem away. It makes it a little bit more digestible. Hey, Jeff, how do you eat an elephant? I don't. Um, well, That's I guess, I guess I would, uh, I think I would go with jerky. I would jerky it. I would cut it into small thin strips and dry it in the sun. Despite your best efforts, you got there. The answer is <laughs> one bite at a time. <laughs> Mm, elephant problem 
solving, sleuthing. Hey, congratulations, elephants. Uh, I heard this on the news the other day that some elephants recently killed some poachers. So, uh, yeah, hell yeah. So the, the elephants have been getting their asses kicked for a long time by the poachers, but uh, they, they struck a blow for elephant dumb. So good elephant dumb, is that? Um, yeah, good yeah, for you, we'll elephants. So how did your how did your four and five year olds respond to uh, that that given up their big playground time? They only noticed about a week and a half later, because one thing that they had been doing, one of our one of the teachers in our classroom would come in at around 830. So they knew as soon as this person shows up, it's it's playground time. This is what this, we go to playground when they're here. Um, and then so like for the first few days that we, we were trying out this switch, um, we would just say, oh, we're actually, we're going to wait a little bit and go out later. And they said, okay. And then they kept playing um, in the yard and on, on the deck. And then about like a week and a half later, somebody finally asked me, so how come the other classroom is outside right now? We're like, oh, we switched it around so that they could be outside a little bit in the morning because we go outside in the morning, but they haven't been. So we thought we would give them a little bit of time and then we go out after them and we're still outside for an hour. And they were like, okay. And that was it. <laughs> it had to be care. complicated. And, and I mean, next year, it might be the exact opposite. You yep. might have a, because those three-year-olds are going to be in your room. Right, they're going to be four. Uh, yeah. So it might be that we, we need to say, we need that back. We, yeah, yeah. Can we, have, can we have that time? Yeah, and, and so I, I think it's, you know, you, you're never done sleuthing and problem solving and and looking for solutions because different different kids show up every day and yeah. and while something might work for a week or a month or a year there are going to be times where you need to to be willing to to make those adjustments and uh and, and try new things this is actually something that i have been working on a lot personally because so again i mentioned our conversation about like the mission and the values and stuff of our school and something that I'm noticing a lot is that this idea of tradition and this phrase, that's how we've always done it. That's how we did it when so-and-so was in charge comes up a lot. Sure. And like, and I think there are so many situations when that is incredibly valuable. And I, I'm starting to notice that a lot of times this is being used as a crutch for not wanting to continue to explore new ideas. Yeah. So we have to strike that balance. I do not know what the balance is because I'm one person on a staff of many. So we as a staff need to figure out what are the traditions that are absolutely vital to the heartbeat of this community and what can we begin to adjust? Like, can the schedule adjust a little bit? Can the way we do so-and-so adjust a little bit? It's all, it's very delicate and very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, having that, having that playful problem solving approach to it is, is kind of a, a good way to, to, uh, but I mean, because the opposite of that is, is people that are locked into doing things the way they've always done them because that's the way they've always done them and nothing ever changes. And then everything always seems to be an emergency and everybody's pants yeah. and hair are always on fire. And it's uh, it's kind of a hard way to one, go through life. It's not really that enjoyable unless you, I guess unless you enjoy that frazzled state of being, and I guess some people probably do. I think there, I think there are people who have like, um, like enlarged amygdalas, who like they they that that like 
scent that heightened senses yeah well i mean i mean i mean there's there's all the the temperament stuff that we've started talking about in other episodes it it all it all comes into play there um what we're gonna do if we're gonna if we turn this into into kind of a a series about sleuthing and problem solving sam's gonna bring in stuff she's dealing with and and her program and hopefully listeners i would love um listen like i would love for listeners to even just like email or i don't know what else what other platforms you tweet i don't know um like actual things you're dealing with like anonymize it as much as you need to of course but i would love to like play around with your concerns problems like problem solving things that you're working with like what is it you're trying to do what kind of ideas would we, could we come up with yeah to, like yeah. give you the best out and the whole idea is just to just kind of kind of talk through those things because uh yeah, I'll, maybe get a hat. Be... I'll get like a cool sherlock holmes hat yeah yeah and a pipe You'd look good with a pipe, Sam. This has been the Child Care Bar and Grill Podcast. Back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.